Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another um, Pog Chungular episode I of So You, you Think You Can Fan In. Pog, 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 Chungular. Pog, 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 so goddamn much. Pog. Oh my god, who is that? Who's that? Who is that handsome devil that, that I'm hearing? Creature. Who's that? Is that oh. fabulous, fabulous being? That is that Nick? That living stage hazard. It's, it's, oh my god, it's Nick. Oh my say god. Hi. hi. Everybody say hi. Hi. Hi, Nick. Hi. Hi. I was kidding have to be here again. <laughs> you probably why I gathered you all here today. So, yeah. this is our first recording of the new year, right? Am I crazy? No, it's not. No. Is it? It's not. No. It's no. Pretty sure we no. Close enough. Right? It's the first recording of the new year because I said it was right. Uh, all right. No. I mean, if we if we can go with that, <laughs> I guess my, my your, New Year's your no. first recording of the new year without her. Yeah, time. yeah. We had a recording literally on January fifth, buddy. Like you, um, you're gaslighting me. I I just scrolled up in the fan and chat. I I will literally uh, just. Here uh, I will. Well, I will even mention I, you right there. Can there I go, buddy. say what I'm going to say, or is everyone going to debate me on whether or not my joke is true or not? It's def. You gaslight so goddamn hard, dude. I'm, I'm gonna. gonna I'm gonna come in your fucking cornflakes. I don't <laughs> eat them anyway. Do you know what my New Year's resolution for 2023 is, everybody? Uh, yeah. Is it to gel Carter? Yes, but I have another one. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, shit. I hit my mic. What is it? My New Year's resolution of 2023 is to make sure that everybody listening knows that if they want to hear us on YouTube, that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. So you think you can fan in on YouTube. Holy shit. No way. And you can follow us on Twitter at, at, at SYTYC Fanon. Uh, and also all of our individual accounts. And also, you can like this episode if you're listening to it on a platform where you can like, favorite, and subscribe. Follow us on whatever platform you're listening to. We're going to do this for every episode from now on within the first five minutes, or we're going to have to restart the episode. <laughs> you're going to put That's my New I Year's can... resolution. Your New Year's yeah. resolution is to put all of us at gunpoint to shill for our socials in the first five minutes yeah, of the recording. Yeah, 2023 is the year that we shill as quickly as possible before we start doing anything. Is that so true for our panels it. as well? No, that's at the end. I mean, we usually we shill anyways we shill at, at the, the beginning. Anyways. Ex- we, we, I mean, we shill at the beginning anyways to explain that we're a podcast, right? So, like, true. you know, maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, you, you're probably wondering why I why I gathered you all here today because, uh, as you can tell, there is no Sergio and there is no Kybert today. They are celebrating birthdays of family members, like chuds. How dare they? What the fuck is wrong with them? I can't believe that they're not selfish. <laughs> Sir, I have a question. Yes, yes Madagascar. Yeah, I'm here for the free sandwiches. When do I get my pastrami? You don't get any. So. I figured, yeah, you know, just how a lot of other people are sort of figuring things out. 
I wanted this episode to be topical. It's going to be very dated, hopefully, but you know, I wanted I wanted to discuss something because I got to jump in on this revenue. You know, we got to jump in on the revenue stream while it's still hot, while the iron's still hot. Uh, Twenty twenty three is not only the year of shilling; it's also the year of topical topics, so we get even more views to shill to the grift. True, exactly. We're gonna milk you all dry. Not sexually. Very sexually. Very sexually. So, allow me to sort of explain what's going down for those of you who are not in the where. So, there's been this sort of running joke of uh, about the new edition of one uh, of D and D, and I'm going to call it a new edition because even if it's like an iterative edition, like 3.5 is to three, it's still a new edition. Air quotes. But it's about there's this sort of running joke of uh, one D and D to rule them all, where what the what the basically what's going on is that for those of you who don't know, when people usually talk about tabletop RPGs, you know, what do they just say that they play, right? Like what what is the thing that they say that they play? Nick, answer the question. I have a gun. A D and D. I don't fucking know. Dick and D. Exactly. You did it. We did it. Everybody clap. Everybody so, clap. Nobody's clapping. All right. So, for those of you who don't know, yeah, the cultural zeitgeist of like any sort of game or nerd culture thing. Whenever anyone talks about a tabletop role playing game, they usually just call it D and D because. I mean, that's the one that everyone plays. That's the one that Matthew Mercer plays. That's the one that the... Oh my god, Matt Chungus. ...plays, and the, the Dimension 20 plays. It's we. I mean, we tried a, a short run of a live play for D&D at some point, but like... We played it once. We played it once. We played it a few times, and I mean, even with that, with, you know, outside of the live play scenario, all of us, I would say, have either ran or played a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition game, maybe even a 4th edition. We, we played a lot of this game uh, with a lot of homebrew rules. We tend to be very flexible about it and just, you know, what have you. But a lot of things are changing. And I I've, I've, have a lot of friends who are indie tabletop RPG developers. I've met a lot of them. They're very nice, very nice people. But it's very hard to like find games of these indie RPGs because a lot of the people are just sticking to what they know and playing the one that everyone else plays because you know your friends are playing it if you're going to struggle to find players to play the other games you know why would you play that game right it's the same thing for any multiplayer game but the the big one is that the next edition for Dungeons and Dragons had a rather large leak as of late about the update to the OGL or open game license. For those of you who don't know what the OGL is, the OGL basically allows for third-party publishers to publish things outside of Wizards of the Coast who own the trademark for Dungeons and Dragons. So basically what it does is allow people to add in homebrewed content in a published form and make money off of it, right? Things are um, things are going to change, according to this uh, leak of the OGL 1.1. There's a lot of very big changes that are coming our way, and the most apparent of them is actually a 
uh, royalty payment uh, for those that make up a certain, you know, amount of money within their when they when they go to like publish or through Kickstarter or whatever, they have to pay, I believe it's 25% of the royalties to Wizards of the Coast. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, now you immediately understand what the issue is. Now, it's That's not like... Well, it's not clear, like... It's clear. not to everyone, right? It's, it's to... Specifically, anyone who makes over $750,000 of revenue. Oh. But there's an asterisk there. Most Kickstarter campaigns for this third-party publishing stuff makes that amount. And even outside of that, you are having to pay people for art and for publishing and all that stuff. There's there's a lot of money that gets involved, right, within this. And then it becomes a point of, well, okay, well, we can only do so much because then we're going to have to pay Wizards of the Coast. And at that point, is it even worth it? Michael. Yes, Jacob. What is it? I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you, What's up? but your microphone is peaking a little bit. Yeah, I I've, just I've been told. You know. I don't know how to. I, I've been trying to fix that, buddy. I, I'll well, let me see if I can do it. Phone call real quick. I'll be right back. Oh, I'm pausing, I'm pausing the recording. So yeah, the the big change with this is the the whole royalty thing. If you make above a certain amount, you got to pay a fourth of your revenue to Wizards of the Coast. And on top of that, the current um, license that that is because this is a license, basically, it's an open game license. Um, the current license for five, fifth edition and 3.5e allegedly is is being undone by this new one, which I from what I've heard doesn't have a lot of legal precedence, so it might not be a thing. Hmm. It would depend on if it retroactively applied to people who already had an open games license. It does, according to them. According to them, it does, and according to lawyers, that's not a thing. It depends on how the license was written, because if you... The funny thing is, licenses are a thing that a lot more people interact with than they realize. When you buy a video game, you own a license to play the game. And it's a perpetual license. So... Depending on how they wrote the original uh, OGL, they really probably are up shit creek without a paddle. Because mm-hmm. it's very, very, very hard to enforce retroactive things like that. Uh, legally, yeah. at least. Unless you included clauses for it. I mean, even even without the retroactive fixing, I feel like it's still a big middle finger to the third-party cu- publishers, right? Oh, it, mm-hmm. it's definitely not very courteous to them. But by the same token, I think they're doing this because that's how the market is right now. If you want to just make fat fucking stacks, take a previously known franchise like Dragon Prince, for example. Just make a D&D module or something based off uh, of it. Sergio, uh, not uh, Matt, Matt, my brother mm-hmm. in Christ. There is mm-hmm. an entire tabletop role-playing game that is designed I know, there's also an entire it. tabletop role-playing game for them. But, but yeah, no, no. I get what you're. I get what you're putting down. I, I'm picking not, up what you're putting down. It's not that hard to make third party content compared to making original content for it. That's not to say that it's nothing at all. It's certainly a massive amount. But I think 
Wizards of the Coast isn't doing this for no reason. They're doing this because they they believe they can get away with it. We'll see if they. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't think the community is thrilled about it. I I'm gonna be honest. I've I've said this before, but like, I'm thrilled with what's going on because I've been very vocal about my distaste for D and D as a system. That I like, I'm not really a big fan of it because like most of the stuff that we end up that like in the system, we just end up homebrewing anyways. But the mm. the the main thing that I'm really not a huge fan of is it's basically got a monopoly on the tabletop role playing game system, and that, that is definitely not because of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, being like an air quotes good game. Like it it's been around for years. Ugh, it has been around for years. It's been put into pop culture stuff like Stranger Things. Like it it has its presence within the pop pop culture sphere, so everyone knows about it. And it I mean, certainly it helps that it basically invented the tabletop RPG format as a whole. Not to mention tabletop RPGs led to CRPGs, also known as computer RPGs, which led to pretty much the whole video game genre as a whole. Stuff like any anywhere think- from like fire emblems to the fallouts to the to the Skyrims. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that it kind of invented the modern RPG as a concept in general. Video games especially are influenced by it because Final Fantasy was invented purely because of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm piggybacking off of it because think about how, how many years has Final Fantasy been around? 40 I mean it was on the Famicom so it's been a while yeah and it Dungeons and Dragons had already been around for quite some time by then that's how much it's been grandfathered in nowadays yeah but like you know for me as someone who has friends that are making indie games I have like my favorite system is an indie RPG I have play tested indie tabletop RPGs like for me this is like probably the, the greatest thing to happen because like D is not going to die like the, the the game is never going to die i know that for a fact and the hobby itself of tabletop role playing is always going to stick around i think that this just allows for a lot more invention and for people to experiment and push new stuff out because at the end of the day people are still going to play their dungeons and dragons right but that that third party published content those adventures those you know the cobalt press stuff is no longer going to be made for Dungeons and Dragons going forward because Cobalt Press has already started their own sort of initiative and they have announced that they're working on their own fantasy role playing system that they have dubbed Project Black Flag. So uh-huh. I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out. Basically, the the long and short of it is that if everything goes in Hasbro's favor, then they won't. will be. I th- Here's the thing. I've I've seen enough Hasbro to to know that they're going to try and pull this shit. Oh, I'm not no, saying it's going to work. Try, but consider but the all commu- the, the money maker like content creators pulling out because of this. I don't I I still don't think like even if they change it, it's not going to fucking change their minds because if they're smart, which they should be, right? <sighs> like if they're smart, because Matthew Colville literally predicted this whole thing happening with one D&D's announcement, because you don't make a virtual tabletop game like that and release it, like, let's say, on Steam in the future. 
and expect it to be the certain way unless you have like a you know a workshop and all that stuff but all these like pre-built adventures and what have you are going to be leaning into that sort of idea of knocking out the the third party content because that's mm-hmm. where you know that's some that's some good bank that they have but the the main thing is that even if they like walk this back which i don't think hasbro will and if hasbro does it's not going to be because of the community it's going to be because of like lawyers or what have you that come in and help the the community's case it's not going to be the people that are actively trying to do something to change this sort of uh state that we're in it is going to be the people that actually have power in like courts and lawsuits and what have you that can really push this back in the community's favor but as it stands right now the community like Wizards did one thing right, and they finally did it. They brought the community together with Dungeons and Dragons, but it's not in the way that they expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now in some fairness, having lawyers actually do something like that would be because the community wants it to happen. Where where there is a will, there is a lawyer who's ready to interpret it. That's right. that's the main main point of lawyering and things like that. They have to represent somebody, and if there's a lot of people to be represented, then that tends to vastly improve their chances of succeeding in the legal cases. Now, and I think, in some fairness, because Disney on D and D five e card. What the hell was that? Think- it was my that was my dog. I I keep telling them like, hey, I'm gonna record and stuff. And they're like, ah, no, we're gonna let the dog play and give him all this hard shit on top of the wood and have no fucking insulation above you. It's, it sounded Damn. like marbles rolling. It's a. It's probably his plastic bone that he likes to chew, or it's uh one of the bones that they got at the steakhouse. I apologize for that, but go on. No, it's all good. I'll mute my I mic. think D and D five e still, even to this day, compared to the vast, overwhelming ocean of people making their own RPGs, people publishing RPGs, people just setting up systems, either big franchises or smaller people or content creators. I do think five e is a very solid staple tabletop RPG. But at the same time, I'm also extremely happy to see a lot of competition be rising up around D&D because it means that they're going to have to do a lot better going forward. The one D&D mechanical system itself, the the new thing that they're talking about as far as uh, playing the game, classes, and so on, totally disregarding the legal stuff, I am very excited about. But this legal stuff is worrying to see where the... uh, the rest of them decide to go because as we've seen with youtube when they push in one direction a few inches they're going to be a few miles down that road in a few years that's the uh that's the main concern that i have with something like this because if they do this there's a lot of inklings far deeper in the company to do a lot more extreme stuff that we're never going to see the light of day of uh-huh yeah that's, that's sort of where i'm sitting but like I mean, I my favorite systems are not D and D Fifth Edition because I, I the, like D and D Fifth Edition was not my first D and D. My first D and D that I ever played, like physically, was Fourth Edition, and that was just because the group of friends that I had at that time only played Fourth Edition. And even you know, say what you will about Fourth Edition, they had some good aspects that I kind of liked about it, but you know. Fifth edition, like that's what got me to like sort of pique my interest. I watch, I listened to the Adventure Zones Balance Arc. I've you know sort of dabbled a little bit into Critical Role, not too much. That I, I can't handle the four hour long episodes; they're too much for me. But you know the the system is very big for a very good reason, 
And even if people homebrew the fuck out of it and make it into something that isn't even Dungeons and Dragons, it, they're, they're still playing with the, the core things that they really like that is universal through every single system, which, you know, are classes, uh, species or races, whatever is the term that you're going off of, uh, the modifiers, etc. Like that sort of thing, you know? It, it's still what you expect from Dungeons and Dragons. But... I do think that the competition is a good thing. Competition is always a good thing. It doesn't matter what's going on because it forces the company to do something about it. And if all these other companies, right, like uh, Matthew Koval is actually uh, working on their own fan, uh, their own fantasy tabletop RPG as well. So we're going to have that to look forward to and Cobalt presses. Uh, judging according from what I've heard about Critical Role's current story, uh, we're we're going to see the last remnants of Dungeons and Dragons get finally cut out of the campaign outside of the system itself, like the main lore bits and stuff. And mm. if things are going the way they are in OGL, you know, it doesn't change or anything like that. Nothing happens and stays in place. And 1.1 is put in. I would not be surprised if critical role chose to make their very own role-playing system because they have the audience, they have the money they have the power to do this sort of thing. And I feel like genuinely, like uh, genuinely, that would probably be the smartest decision that they could ever make. Cause then they have full control over everything. And they already know people are invested in their worlds, invested in like the setting. Like they have everything just sort of merging together just right to where I think that there is the, the availability of seeing them take their own thing, which I'd again, be very interested in saying, but I, this whole OGL thing is very interesting. Is it, it's I'm keeping my eyes on it because even though I don't play like fifth edition regularly anymore, like I still partake in campaigns every now and then. Sorry about my dog again; he's barking up a storm. He's but just, you know, he's a good boy. It's okay. That's Sergio's no, problem. He no, he's not a good boy. But what? the the main thing is, I I'm glad that competition's happening. I'm actually really happy that it leaked because now the whole community is up in arms about it. And I generally like genuinely think that, you know, if push comes to shove, the best thing that's going to come out of this is more games to play. And I'm all down for that. Uh huh. I like mm -hmm. games. Smiley face. So what do you, what are your thoughts on this, Nick? Do you like, what, what do you, what do you think? of this whole situation from what you've been able to gather in this 20 minute span um as far as i'm concerned it's really dumb that now they're suddenly just making a rules and you have to pay them for your work at this point like huh. it yeah I, I really hate the idea uh, the thing of like at this point if you put that much effort and time into making this I'd say just market as your own system entirely and just cut out the D and D brand entirely, and that way they can't do shit to you. And that—that's a good point because there is, um, what's the word? Legal, like precedent. Precedent, yes. There is legal precedent for lawsuits to be thrown out over people trying to copyright, um, like game. Like the way that games work, gameplay and systems and stuff like that, specifically with video games. Um, if you remember a long, long, long time ago, Konami um, put out a 
a patent on like loading screen mini games for the longest time. No one else could do them, but then courts threw it out because they they determined that it was it was not it was ridiculous. Um, something that could oh, be copyrighted yeah. so it is oh. possible that you can just like publish things under the assumption that they are similar to D rules and then just be like oh it's compatible with D or one D D or 5e or whatever Here, here's the thing though here's i kind of want to step in because i forgot one of the most crucial parts of the ogl uh number one they have in the ogl to my knowledge that they can just as long as they give you 30 days notice, they can basically shut you down. Like they can change anything within the OGL to fit what they need. As long as they give you 30 days in advance notice. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one is that if you publish with this OGL, uh, they can just use your work for free. They don't have to pay you for anything. So if they really like what you're doing, they can just shut you down, take your work and then publish it as their own. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a good reason as to why the entire community is up in arms about this. Uh, again, I'd be genuinely shocked if Hasbro, I'm not saying Wizards of the Coast, because I know there's people in Wizards of the Coast that probably don't like this. But the people at Hasbro, I, I knowing them, I don't think they're going to walk this back and it's going to be a court battle to sort of solve the future of this whole debacle. But, you know, I'm I think that this has at least allowed people to sort of you know, maybe consider trying other systems, right? I don't think people are going to try other systems. I think they're just going to circumvent Hasbro's stuff there. What What's probably going to happen is Hasbro will realize it's impossible to enforce this as much as they'd like to, because like Jacob said, all that these companies will do is they'll just hire somebody for $10,000 to comb through their system and say, oh, you don't have strength. You have power. You don't have constitution. You have endurance. And then it it just makes a very copyright-free version of the third-party material that you can advertise as being compatible with D&D, &D, but also playable entirely on its own. And obviously, it's going to be very hard for Hasbro to enforce that as much as they'd like to. They'll get caught up in court. They'll get caught up in legal fees. Uh, it depends I mean, on how much the courts side with one side or the other. There's there's a reason that Pathfinder First Edition still exists and is still getting content, despite the fact that Pathfinder First Edition is literally just D and D. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's I, literally just D and D Third Edition Plus, three point five E Plus Plus Final Chapter Prologue. I believe plus. it's I believe they call it three point seven five is what they refer to it as. But I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm the optimist here. I would I'm not saying I want people to play other games. I I would like them to just sort of you know maybe look around. They don't even have to play it. Just sort of l scope out other systems. To it's okay, Michael. Play. You can be honest. You you okay. want people to play yeah. You can be honest. I, I, you want people to play you, <laughs> Grabs you by grabs you by the fucking throat. I want you to listen to me very carefully. All right, buddy, listen to me very carefully. I want you to play another fucking board game. I don't want to play fucking Candyland or Monopoly again. I want to play something new, like this brand new game that I found. Look at this brand new game that I found that I want to try. Don't you want to try it too? I bet you do. Oh, yeah, the um. Oh, he's choking me. The the main thing that I like. Uh. Because I, I feel like there is a consistent sort of like prevalent idea. Like, don't get me wrong. 
I like having games of choice, right? Like the comfort, like the comfort choices of like, this is the game I really like to play. I don't want to go too far out. Like if you were, if you played Monopoly all your life and there was a game that was equally as complex as Monopoly that came out, you know, would you want to go out there? And like, I guess a better example would be like Risk and Diplomacy. They're both very similar games. They both play very, very differently. And it's like, okay, well, I want to try this diplomacy thing, but I already know how to play Risk. I don't want to learn a whole new comp, you know, move like rule set for this game. And you know, that's why I'm saying to like at least just do your research because there's some RPGs that are like twenty, maybe fifty pages long in their rules that you can just like look through and understand everything at the end of the day. Like, I mean, even though we've had our hiccups with uh, the SCP-7006 one, I still feel like that system was so, like, easy to understand that after we got it through our thick skulls about what the fuck to do, it, it just sort of sang. Like, everything just worked. And if you, go on to the, if you go onto that website, it's like 10 hyperlinks, and they're, they're very short-skinned. So what I'm saying is, uh-huh. you don't have to fucking drop 60 bones on like this hardcover book or anything i just i think it would just be beneficial for you just in general to sort of broaden your horizons and maybe look for something that's more into what you enjoy about your current system like D. so uh we each have some examples i have i already made a twitter post about it but uh you know we have our guest here nick nick i know you've played other systems that aren't D and D. What's what's your favorite system of the ones that you've played? And tell tell us a little bit why about it, and you know maybe some of the unique traits about the system. Um, personally, out of the ones that I've played so far, I'd say it'd probably either be Halo Mythic or even um. I think I played one of the GURPS, and GURPS is all right, but I do like um Halo Mythic more. Anyone doesn't know what GURPS is, it's basically how Fallout 1 and 2 run as an RPG, just as a tabletop. Uh-huh. Except legally distinct, because legally they didn't distinct. get the rights to GURPS. They're just very Gur- similar. GURPS is the generic universal, universal role-playing system. system. Yeah, it's really cool, but um, Halo Mythic was the first one I sat down and really actually learned about, and the main thing I like about that is that there's a lot more control over character stats and how you do things more than RNG. Not Each mention, individual point is worth a substantial margin, whereas in yes. D&D it's hard to even get the individual points. Mm-hmm. Yes, it feels much more like you actually have control over what happened rather than all luck of the dice, which is something I personally... Oh, yeah, you know, we all had moments playing D&D where you just constantly get bad rolls and it gets really annoying. Oh, That's yes, it. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Says the man who print on initiative like three times in a row the other day. Yeah, and you know what, man? I only got like 14 for attack rolls that entire time, so all my luck was <sighs> uh, Damn. But anyways, the other thing I like about it is the fact that um, even as like a DM for the system, they allow you to actively add modifiers to this instead of just advantage or disadvantage. Like, if it's a challenging, you know... If there's a bomb on the floor and you don't want to defuse it and it's a challenging bomb, you can put a modifier where, you know, it's a minus 20 to their roll. Or if it's an easy one, it's a plus 20. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I would just like to say, um, 
sorry for interrupting you. Just real quick, I'm cursed because I'm looking at at I, I I'm I'm looking at alternatives to D and D to use as examples, and the first thing that popped up on the first website that I clicked on was Age of Sigmar Soulbound. <laughs> I don't even know shit about Age of Sigmar. Why is it? Why? Why would you do this to me? Continue, Nick. I love you. I love you too. Don't worry. No bang, okay? Whoa. No bang, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Play Mass Effect. Oh, there's another good system is the uh, Mass Effect D&D. Yeah, I got to tell the door story. Is that what you want to share? Okay. This is not a <laughs> system flaw. This is a DM flaw. Thankfully... <laughs> I feel bad because we we upset him so much he didn't want to DM, and I feel really bad after hearing that. But, but um, also, what the fuck? Dumb. Yeah, okay. So, story time. We are playing a Mass Effect D&D. My good friend who... This was his first time DMing anything for us. He's been a long-term player, but first time GMing. He wanted to try a new system. Mass Effect. It was awesome. We are on Omega, which for you guys who don't know or haven't played Mass Effect, you probably don't care anyway. It's a big asteroid base full of criminals and stuff. We were there, and we had to take down some, like, mob boss, and we got into this room, and we hit a switch, and it locked the door, and it closed the door on us. Well, we spent a good while hammering away at the door with brute strength, trying to hack open the controls, looking for keys. Just for the our friend to finally DM, have you tried pushing the door? And the door was never locked to begin with. So even though the we reason, were saying... The reason this was frustrating, by the way, is because we were there for like an hour. This yes. was not a short part of the session. We yeah, were there a, for the better part an, of an hour. It, it wasn't an hour, but it was, it was like... Minutes. It was, it was like 20, 30 minutes. It was a decent amount of time. So you're telling me that through a Krogan, a big dumb reptile man with a hammer. No offense, Jacob, but your Krogan had brain damage. You even said it yourself. My Krogan did have brain damage. He did get a quarter of his head shot off. Bashing his sniper rifle maze against the flipping door would not open it up even though we pushed it open. You're big and thinking. Uh-huh. It was evil. It was evil. But it was a really cool system. Because it was built like in the Mass Effect um, level up system for the first game. They even had classes and races as their own benefits, you know, everything that you'd expect from a Mass Effect game. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I frankly enjoy these types of systems where, you know, each class and race actually feels unique. Like, not just like you get one bonus stat here. It's like, oh, uh-huh. if I play Quarian and my suit gets ruptured, I'm screwed. But at least I get a lot of unique abilities unique to my race and class. If I play Krogan, mm-hmm. I'm done with a box of rocks, but I have blood rage. Yeah. You know, I I genuinely like systems more that specialize more on the character's like choices as what they play as. I think it's cool rather than mm-hmm. And that's why I actually like human. what they're doing with one D D as an aside. Because they instead of doing the dumb thing of making races more equivalent, they made it so that races are even more <coughs> Um, species. I don't care. They're races to me. Okay, carry on. The one thing about D&D I never liked, and it always felt like variant human was just the, arguably the best like race. To play. Not arguably. 
it gives you the most power to specialize. And I find that dumb, because I'll be honest with you, uh, playing the human constantly in things gets kind of boring. Not to mention, there's only so much you can do as a human character in a world of fantasy creatures. Just my fair. thought, though. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Uh, other than that, the only other D&D system I really... Well, there's two more. Three, technically, but they're all kind of the same. I did play the Warhammer system with Jake at both fantasy and sci-fi. It's over. It's very complicated. I still don't understand it. It's fun. I do wish the fantasy one generally had more, like, race options, though. Yeah, and, it, uh, it, it it's very human-weighed. You have a, for those who don't know, you have a 90, you have to roll for your race, and you have a 90% chance to roll human. Like a 5% chance for dwarf, like 3% chance for for halfling, and then a 1% chance for wood elf or high elf. Which makes sense, because, I mean, if you look at, like, Michael's character, who's a dwarf, generally... A lot of the useful the useful stats are just incredibly high because dwarves are just better than humans. But that's also kind of what makes Warhammer Fantasy interesting is that you are if you are a human, you are generally the underdog. You can also just yeah. choose the other races. You don't have to roll. Well, that's where the thing comes in. If you do that, you lose out on stats, making you arguably worse in the end. Which they actively punish the player for picking what they want to pick, which I don't agree with, in my opinion. Well, they don't punish you that much, though. It's like, what is it, 30 experience? It's like, it's like, it's, I mean, it's experience is experience like at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, not to mention, if you want to pick everything about your character and play exactly how you want to play, you're heavily, you know, penalized in experience. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. like that you have to roll for your class and stuff. That seems a bit silly. And, you know, that's one thing I'd change about that system, personally. But it's still a fun system, nonetheless. That's fair. You see, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I am kind of the devil's advocate, because I, I, while I do like choosing all my all my quirks, because that's that's part of me, I like creating a character and using them. Uh, like, if I if I just don't have any idea of what to do, I just roll dice and see what happens. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. fine, but... Yeah, I don't think you should be penalized for picking it, because, I mean, you are losing out on XP, which can make your character stronger but like you know i i think that there is there, there i guess there's a, a bit of a give and take but i i get what you're putting down i really i agree with you though and you know the other thing is like you could be stuck playing a class as of like a race that shouldn't really be that class like a dwarf rogue here, tell me about it. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> yours can be rogues let's, let's, Bro, I, let's, I, let's look, be clear you, if it, if it helps, uh, I know that Warhammer is a very grueling system. It is a very it is very much wanting like if you you will most likely die. It has definitely helped me in that aspect because I do not give a shit about what happens to Bran, and I feel like that's very on brand for the uh, for the dwarf race. So I I, I got you know. what he said there. I got what he did. Yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah yeah. Handshake handshake. And the other um, systems I played was Monster Hunter, which Matt did an amazing job at uh, running it here. It was really fun. Sadly, it died. And um, I, yeah, what I really sadly... like about that system is how 
the monsters actually gave out materials and all that that would correspond to their weapons and armor. And these armor sets and weapons had upgrade tiers and even, you know, bonuses for having them. That was a really cool system. I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, sadly, the the campaign was canceled after one of our players moved to Korea. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the issue with Sam is, I think, still not very available for sessions, so... He, sure. I mean, sure. once he moves, he will be, Maybe which is in like back. a week and a half. Maybe it'll come back, winky face. Maybe you told me it was dead. Maybe. I, well, if, I mean, if it helps I'm, in your in your eyes, um, there is apparently a tabletop RPG system dedicated to capturing what a uh, Monster Hunter game is like. It's called Primal: The Awakening. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know a lot about it, but it exists. I thought I'd throw that out there for anyone interested. Right. Also, speaking of tabletop systems, um, World of Darkness looks really interesting, but it seems so hard to get into. I'm not saying as like a Warhammer fan. Because like at least with Warhammer, you're like, oh, it's kind of Tolkien-esque fantasy. I can kind of make some assumptions, you know? But, like, World of Darkness, it's just, like, there's the Toreador and the fucking, there's the, there's the Masquerade and there's the, like, the Guild of Hunters. And it's just, it's so much. It's so scary. It's spooky. I'm scared. So many things I have to know about. There's another uh, system, and we're currently doing it. It's a One Piece system. And I'll be frank. One Piece? I don't know squat about One Piece. I read the first few chapters. I've seen Monkey D. Liberal as a child eat the funny fruit. Monkey Day D. Liberal. Yeah. I like the um, part where he shoots his hand like a gun and goes... Pistol. Pistol. Yeah. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) I I do really like this because you can develop your own power for the fruit, which is awesome, because it's literally unique. It's custom to you, and um, all that. Anyways, I have another phone call. I'll be right back. Goddamn. Damn. All right. So, a lot of different systems, huh? Yeah, I love there video gaming. Yeah. Well, we gave, Matt, we... Why, don't, why don't you talk about your favorite system? Well, I'm going to yeah, talk about a system that I have... What? I was going to say, talk about, do it. What? Go, go ahead, Nick. What'd you say, Nick? I mean, talk about. I can't tell. Oh, okay. Okay. I understand. So, we gave Nick the spotlight to, to talk about what he likes for a bit. I think we should all go around and say one system or two systems that we like and a system that we'd like to try. Hmm. Okay. What do you guys think? (laughs) That's going to be hard because I don't know exactly a a system that I would like to try off the top of my head. Uh, You'll, you know what? Actually, I do know. I do know one. Mm -hmm. Would you like to go first? Does it have to be released or uh, can it be one that's like coming out eventually? No, I mean, that's, that's fine. You can, I I think that that counts. I mean, you want to play it, dude, don't you? Yeah, I do. So, then, yeah. Uh, all right. I'll talk about my two. So, 
I mean, I, w- I was going to talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but I feel like that's sort of like the obvious one. So I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about some of the other ones that I really, really like. Now, there are there are two sides to me. There are two wolves inside me, and they're both fucking each other. But the the there are two things I really look for in a tabletop role-playing game that I really, really like. One of those is roleplay, because I'm a roleplayer at heart. I like making characters that are interesting or complex and have a lot going on or... You know, I like making my character. If I can make my character, I feel a lot happier than giving like a pre-made character. I don't like getting pre-mades. I know that. So, girl. oh yeah, trust me, I fucking hate it. Stares at camera. So, those are my two f- favorite things that I really, really look for in a tabletop role-playing game. And the one that falls more into the combat complexity is a game that we tried at Yomacon last year called Emberwind. For those of you who don't know what Emberwind is, it is it uses the same dice as uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but it replaces a lot of that sort of complexity when it comes to making characters and what have you to a very streamlined process that focuses you on one, which is very interesting by the way, min-maxing your character, and two, creating a character that balances out the team. So combat in like Emberwind is very, very different. You're sort of, the way that they sort of describe it and the way that it's sort of played is basically like a MMORPG where everyone in the group sort of has their role and they sort of do their thing when they can. And you can sort of like organize yourselves in the turn or uh, in the turn order, however you sort of decide basically. And with this, it allows for a lot of customization and freedom. And compared to say something like Dungeons and Dragons, where you have like the most complexity that you get when it comes to customizing your character in a mechanical sense is your spells and maybe you know your feats and your like weapons that sort of thing when it comes to emberwind when you choose a class you are sort of given i guess like air quotes an archetype but you can functionally do a whole lot more you get Every class gets unique abilities that fill up like a table that they get to choose from. And as you progress through levels, you get more and more of these that you can swap out and sort of figure out how you want to play the character your way. So, for example, like you can have a rogue that is focused on just doing a fuck ton of damage and all all of their abilities that you can do are based around that. And it does this sort of action economy that I really liked within Pathfinder 2nd Edition but it cuts out all the complexity of making a character in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Making a character in Emberwind is so fast because all you're doing is choosing your class and its features and, like, your weapons. Like, that's that's basically it. You just choose, like, the core of what you need for the game and the rest is up to you. So how the character looks, how they act, all that sort of stuff. It's focused solely on making combat really, really cool and really, really fun. And... I think it really functionally works well for like a monster hunter campaign system because the entire like goal of this, when we did the raid boss test, which is think about that, which is what I'm thinking about. The enemies all have this sort of like quote unquote AI pattern to it where you can, where someone or the DM rolls a D six. And from there it branches out in sort of a hexagonal tree path from a core center point. And, Every time those enemies function differently and you want to sort of figure out enemies and how they work and their quirks and figure out how to battle them from there. So for example, one of the rogue actually has like 
an ability that makes it into a support where it can like like attack an enemy and then drag a friend from all the way across the other side of the of the map over to them to flank that enemy so if your friend is just like in a really tough spot you can just drag them out to a weaker enemy and you can tank it together or let's say for example you want to save somebody's like movement for something else well buddy you can just drag them over to the monster and now they can use that movement to maybe like dodge and weave out of different attacks if they so choose. So there's a lot of different functions and gimmicks that sort of come in with these classes and they play it very, very differently. It's something I really like in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. It's something I really like here. Everyone is super unique and has something cool to do. Like max level, we had a guy that was rolling, I think, 12 D20s for damage. Mm. It was insane. Mm. But yeah, the, the whole raid boss system works really well for like a monster hunter thing. I think it's really cool. They have a lot of online tools to help you do what you need to do, like an encounter, an enemy generator that sort of helps you figure that sort of, that stuff out because of the grid. There's just everything is really, really nice about it. I met the guys. They are constantly updating and tweaking it as they see fit. Huge fan of Amberwind as a system. Highly recommend. But my other one is more into the role-playing aspects. I'm a huge role-player. That is what I play these games for. It is called a role-playing game at the end of the day for me. I want to role-play with people. I want to be a character. And hands down, my favorite system is Masks A New Generation. Basically, picture a tabletop system about teen titans. You are teens or young adult superheroes trying to like figure themselves out in the world. And everything around you is molding you in different ways. Your stats are not concrete. They will change and fluctuate depending on NPCs and how you sort of respond to them. They can either shift your labels based on something that they said to you, or you can choose to try and go against what they're saying and ignore their sort of shift in their in your labels and push against them and be able to shift them however you decide to do. And I think that's really, really cool because like, don't get me wrong, I like min-maxing, but when it comes to a game that is more focused on role play. I think having a system that basically says, well, buddy, you're not going to get comfortable here. You are going to have these fluctuating uh, variables every single time. But the cool thing is, is that the level up system is based on rewarding you for failure and learning from your mistakes. So if you get a miss, you get a point of experience and those points of experience stack up and you can use those to actually just lock in a stat at a, like at a value that you think is really, really cool. So let's say that you really want to spec into the label of superior and it's at a two. And if you're at fully leveled, you can spend those advancements to lock that two in. So no matter what, if they try to shift your labels, they just can't shift that one. And I think that's really, really cool. The other thing is that all of the playbooks and archetypes that are based around within this are based on comic books and manga archetypes that you'd commonly see. And they go into the core sort of viewpoint of a character within this comic world. For example, there is the Giannis, which is a superhero who has at their core a secret identity to them. That's very important to who they are as a character. So think like Spider-Man. Like that is basically the Spider-Man character. Or you could just be fucking Future Trunks and play the playbook of the Harbinger. And all of your... The feature must be changed. Like that is your whole like sort of archetype and all of your moves and your entire character is based around that sort of archetype of being from the future and trying to change something and viewing people differently from how they are in the future. It's, it's really, really cool. I think it's one of the coolest systems out there. I really like systems that 
encourage you to sort of try different classes based on a very unique mechanic that forces you to play differently outside of, you know, combat. So I'm a huge fan of masks, but there's one thing that's very great about masks that I haven't brought up, and that's the publisher Magpie Games. For those of you who don't know, Magpie is working on an Avatar The Last Airbender tabletop RPG, an official one. And wow. I already have dropped down some money, so I'm going to be getting the hardcover. I'm going to get some dice and shit. Like, I'm getting everything that I want, and I get a cool little White Lotus tile, so I'm over the moon as an Avatar fan. But they're making an Avatar tabletop game, and if it's anything like what I hear with, you know, what I have with Masks and New Generation, it's going to be my bread and butter. I literally cannot wait to play the Avatar tabletop game. There is a playtest available that I haven't been able to sit down and get anyone to play with me on. But when that comes and when I'm able to run through that at some point, I think it's going to be like one of my favorite systems to go off of. I really hope that they pull from other uh, systems. There's like a playbook that I really want to see them do, which I hope that I think that they have in there is um so there's another tabletop game i'm not going to go too into it because i don't know shit about it called uh fellowship which is basically like avatar last airbender or lord of the rings sort of tabletop system and one of the playbooks in there that you can play for your character as a quote-unquote part of the party is you're basically like the villain that's tracking down the like the party itself and you count as being part of the party because you're always there. And I think that's a really, really cool like way to play the game. And I really want to see more interesting playbooks that force you to play in a very different way in terms of a role-playing scenario. So uh-huh. those are my favorite systems. Sorry for rambling for so long. I try to make it very quick. But those are my favorite systems. I really, really like Mask of the New Generation. I really like Emberwind. I'm really hoping Avatar, The Last Airbender's tabletop is everything I hope for and more. Uh, I'm so excited. I had to put down my taco for that. But it is a really cool concept. The idea of playing the villain while being in the party because you're constantly monologuing. It really sets like, it up like how the show would have it with some... Um, yeah, like it's the... the names I haven't watched in so long. What's, what's the firebender guy? Zuko. Again? Zuko. Zuko. Yeah, but I was... Uh, yeah. I was talking with my friend who knows a lot more about in- indie games. And the playbook just makes you play as one of the villains and you count as being part of the party because you're always there. And I think that's a really funny like twist on what happens. Uh, it's something that I'm looking to do in my common Rider tabletop game when I get the chance because yeah. I think that'd be really fun. But the, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, what's to come. Hopefully at some point I'll be able to uh, convince these motherfuckers to join me in a one shot for masks because I think it's my I, I think that it would work really well for the podcast. Yeah. I'm down Matt. for it. Hell yeah. Yes. Why don't you share one or two systems that you think are your favorite and then a, a system that you'd like to try, if there hmm. are any. Hmm. Well, a system that I have always wanted to do is GURPS. I just wanted to try out the probably close to the maximum depth you could get with GURPS. Because I know that the idea of it is that there's like 50 different sub-modules to the system that you can essentially just flip on like a light switch and then it activates for the whole system. Uh I'm curious to see what it would be like to have as much shit in GURPS turned on as is humanly possible. Just to see what kind of... That sounds like it would take six hours to do like one combat. That's what I would be interested in having fun with. Because (laughs) there'd be so much bullshit. Uh, but an actual system I'm very interested in trying is uh, a system that one of our own friends is making, Alex's system. I, I don't know if he's come up with a name for it yet, 
but I've helped him design a, a couple of things with it. But his ambitions for it are that you can literally create your own abilities and your own magic from pure scratch. You just come up with an idea and there's an entire system to spend experience points on to make it any way you like. Oh, so similar to how mutants and masterminds handles uh, superpowers. In a way, but there's like a whole... Uh, he wanted a whole number-based system with it working so that the players could actually, independent of the DM, decide how that they were going to develop parts of their abilities. And Yeah, like... Um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was helping him with it, and I made... I made an ability on it, which I personally like a lot. They all have like a. I'm sorry, I'm stealing the spotlight right now. But no, go ahead. Go ahead. You are the guest. You speak as much as you want to, whore. I uh, I helped him out with it, and I made my own ability for it right away because I had it in my head. And the way he had it set up is that like each elemental like class is its own school, and you know they have their tendon like ability. Like, water is more defensive and all that. So I decided to make an ice shield for an ability. And the next upgrade we have for it is because it's just a throwaway shield. I want to use a two-handed weapon, but still have a shield. Mm-hmm. And that's all it does. It just let me block for now. But as I progress in it, the ability I'm going to unlock for is the ability to, you know, shatter the shield on an enemy when they when I block their attack. Cool. So it's a defensive offensive ability in a way. Mm-hmm. And you know, the yeah. ultimate ability we have worked out is you know, you just shove the ground the shield into the ground and cause like a fanalax wall in front of me out of it. Yeah, and he wants um he wants training and downtime to be the main point of the whole system. In between uh sessions you say what your character is training on and you get to add in points to all of your skills over time. You get weeks of training, okay. periods of training. It's it's a very cool system. But yeah, time one, actually matters. Yeah, time, real time is not, not real time, but uh, time passes a lot within the session. Weeks, months, years. Very interesting. But a, session, a system that I really quite like, principally just from reading through it, I haven't had a chance to actually fully play it, but I've, uh, I've seen a lot of stuff that's really cool in it, is the Battletech tabletop RPG system, A Time of War, I think it's what's called. I don't know, there's there's a couple of them, and they all have kind of similar grim, dark future, uh, war kind of titles. But what I find funny about the system is it's a character sheet setup, essentially, and then all of the battle mech combat, as there is in Battletech, because there's giant, giant robots, not really giant robots, giant mechs that you can pilot, uh, the entire mech combat system for the tabletop, tabletop RPG is just the war game system that they made. And that's it. That's what I find incredibly hilarious about it. There's a couple of different stats since you have a uh, different pilot stats, but it amuses me to no end that this company that had a war game system for 20 years just said, ah, fuck it. Don't change the war game system at all. Just put a fucking character system into it. And that's hilarious to me. Imagine if, uh, imagine if Warhammer did that. Well, actually, Warhammer started as a role-playing game and then became a war game. Shut the fuck up, you little bitch. Whoa. Is that one yeah, that you like or one that you'd want to try? That's one that I quite like because I've I've seen a fair bit of it. 
I, I feel like I kind of understand the ins and outs of it enough to say that I quite like the system. Uh-huh. It would be compelling and interesting to see more of it. Sadly, nobody in the friend group has uh, the time to do much of it. And uh, eh, One Piece is just easier to run. True. It's fair. Is that all is you is that your whole list? That's my list. What's your list? Any system that you want to try? Well, he said GURPS. Yeah, it's a oh, GURPS. GURPS. How about you, Jacob? I suppose I can go. I'll start with a game that I like, and it's going to be... Somebody put a, a nickel in the jar. Um, so, uh, this is the thing. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is really good. <laughs> was, that the, was that the nickel going in the jar? Yeah, that's the nickel going in the jar. I don't you know don't- what to say about it that... I, I like it's it's the equivalent to fifth edition to three point five e like if if Warhammer second edition is the equivalent of three point five e then fifth edition and fourth edition are synonymous in the sense that there it's a natural progression from the from the for the two in between a, a, a weird a, a weird update in between them that kind of threw things off and people didn't like. So they return to the the tried and true classic. Um, mm. yeah, I don't know. I really like running it. I'm not good at running it, but I'm learning, and that's all that matters. You are very good no, at you are it. good at running it. And if you uh, say that again, uh, I'll beat you. I'm terrible at fucking balancing combat, and you can't tell me I'm not because I am. Mm. Well, I can tell you that your system. <laughs> no, is, bullies the, the campaign is very fun, and also I am literally the combat character. So when you throw combat at me, I, I think it's. I, th- I think I think I just I think I just have a an, an inkling towards. So some magic characters at him that you can't with brute force. Send somebody. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you guys are enjoying the campaign. No one complains yeah, about it to my knowledge. It's, it's if I if I wasn't having a good time, I would just leave. That's true. You're cold like that. You're ice cold. I mean, I would rather not waste your time. You know, like if I'm just not having a good time. Uh-huh. I, yeah, and everyone else is having a good time. I'll just you know take my leave respectfully. Uh-huh. But yeah, I like it. Um, I like Warhammer Fantasy roleplay because I really like Warhammer Fantasy. I definitely, I think r- currently, um, think I like fantasy more than 40k at the moment, just because I've been. There's a lot better for fantasy content that's non-tabletop um then there are then there's 40k because like dark tide (laughs) i love dark tide but dark tide um kind of sucks right now it's early access it was not saying it yeah let's oh no i play it oh yeah dark tide's reviews are like 40 percent right now or something it's mixed it's 45 percent positive reviews yeah, and I can't Damn. really disagree too much. I have um, it's, it's what fun, I want out of a Left 4 Dead game, but like it's lacking content. The yeah, shop is terrible. Here, here's my issue: the only thing that it sells me on is the fact that it's 40k. If I just wanted to play something Warhammer that was Left 4 Dead, mm-hmm. I would just go play Vermintide. Yeah, Vermintide Two is so much better; it's not even funny. Yeah, Vermintide Two is honestly one of the best Left 4 Dead clones ever. It's so sad. Because Dark Tide could be so good, and it's it's like, it's good. It should be, it should be so it's, good. It, 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 it should be great. 
it should be great, and it is good, and that's what bothers me. Like we're, um, we're on the fine line of having like a really good piece of bread, but it's still doughy in the middle. It's a really nice, beautiful yeah. crust for its appearance, but when uh-huh. you bite into it, it's just unfilling and mushy. It's the best forty k game ever made by a large margin. Space Marines. Yeah, I think Space Marines still is substantially better. I <laughs> Space I Marine is Space a project Marine. of its time, but I think objectively speaking, Dark Tide is better. Mm. Mm, I don't know, maybe. But um, a system that I'd like to try, or I guess I, I guess I can. I'll, I'll list. My dog is barking. Uh, I'm just gonna keep talking because I don't care. Um, fucking. I guess I'll shout out Star Wars. 5e the 5e hack system thing that's star wars based just because it's the best star wars role-playing system out there one of my favorite campaigns oh my god my dogs hold on I'm, my dogs yeah, I'm gonna give a shout out to star wars 5e because it's just like it's the best star wars roleplay system it's really well made the people who work on it love this love the world of star wars you can really tell and the probably my favorite campaign i've ever been a part of nice that's awesome. Sorry, my sister's freaking sweet. came in and she's really it's high. Freaking sweet, Lois. No, <laughs> um, no, it's just it's just good. I want Sergio to run another Star Wars campaign because he did a really good job running it, and huh. it was so much fun. I love my Star Wars OC that I made for it. I want to play the Mandalorian. I think it'd be hilarious. That's what I. That's what. That's what mine was. Good old Volk Javantes. Yeah, I hope you know if we ever do it again. I want to make a Mandalorian that's an opposing like clan to yours. And we just kiss all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what going, going, but uh, right. was a, <laughs> he was a gray Jedi Mandalorian, um, mm-hmm. who who leaned light side because um, the because the Empire fucking sucks. Just generally, it was old Republic era. It was really fun. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and we we fucking power game the shit out of it. And one time, I one time we were fighting somebody that we needed to get as a bounty, and I had a, I had a jetpack and jet boots, so I just flew up. I grabbed him, I flew up for ten turns straight, and I just let go. <laughs> That's all. Oh, and it just he just died instantly. <laughs> Dude, my my favorite uh favorite thing to happen thus far was um. It, it, like any of the RPGs that I was a part of that I can like actively like think about was the so in my uh, in the masks campaign that I was first a part of like my very first masks campaign um, we were sort of like best way I can describe it is my character knows nothing about humanity except from like the 80s like th- that is that is all that they know about humanity on earth and they can't they came from the moon they're they're like hiding out on earth uh-huh. and all that stuff so like and starfire. yeah they're, i mean they're basically like starfire except they're like super into the 80s and um there was like their relationship with um the other party member named fucking gerald trying to remember the name victoria uh is 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 such a weird foil because victoria is like this like wannabe badass vigilante who's like 
really wants to be taken seriously and just get a big gig, but they're just a fucking like they're they're superpower in air quotes is that they're like they're a raccoon. They're just a they're fucking trash panda, and they're Sly trying Cooper. really hard. They're try no they're here's the thing. Sly Cooper is like you know cool and suave. They're 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 trying to be cool and suave. You're just and saying that because you want to fuck Sly Cooper. I've never played a Sly Cooper game. What? So, but, am I, but am I lying? So, anyways, so <laughs> the, so they have like a very nice foil where, uh, like, Victoria is just like a pessimist, and my character Xenia is like an optimist. And there was one time because fucking Victoria works at a deli. She hates her job. She just wants to get out of there. And Xenia basically walked up like the 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 Karen that comes in at like the last possible moment to order a sandwich and like Victoria's just so fucking out of it. It's like this is the worst possible thing to happen is to deal with an idiot who knows nothing who wants a sandwich and probably isn't gonna be able to pay for it. And oh. it just goes, okay, yeah, can I get a can I get a sandwich? And she goes, Yeah, you can get a sandwich. It'll be it'll be done with you. And she goes, okay. And I just have my character like sit there, just stand at the counter waiting for it. Um, and Victoria, being the understandable person who you know deals with people, is like staring at her in confusion because that's not how you like wait for food normally is to not stand at the cash register and wait for it. You, you know, usually you stand off to the side after you pay. But no, my character insisted on sitting there. Because she really wanted <laughs> to learn more about these uh, these weird things called pets that she heard so much about. She uh-huh. only knows that they're like golden retrievers or whatever. And I'm having to have this pessimist who just fucking hates everything explain the concept of like a puppy to my character. And it is the most like dead ass silent way of just like so you know that thing? Yeah, I know that thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, uh huh. Oh, like it. It. You're, you're basically interacting with Starfire, and I just really like their dynamic. It's uh-huh. what I live for. That sort of thing, you know. Hmm. Cool. I like. Yeah, I, I like. That. I like role playing systems. I really I like, like role playing systems. Speaking of Me role playing too. systems. One that I'd like to try is one that we found. I think the first time I saw it and like it clicked in my brain that I was looking at a role playing system was at Nebcon. It was, <laughs> it was BESM, Big Eyes, Small Mouth. It seems like it's like a uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, it seems like it's a um, <laughs> uh, it, an anime themed system. Yeah, big eyes, small mouth. Kind and of. it just it seems cool. And I don't know much about it, but it's got like a like a magical girl and like uh like a demon guy with a robot arm on it and uh somebody that kind of looks like a craft world Eldar, and I think that's funny. I found it on uh their publishing thing. Uh-huh. Uh, big eyes, small mouth, the multi-genre role-playing game for all your anime and manga adventures. Uh, this is apparently it's it's apparently in the fourth edition. So like this has been now it's for been a around while. for a while, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm definitely down to try it. I think it looks cool. Uh-huh. Um, I see a I, magical I like girl with a fucking gun, and that's base. 
That is true. She does have a weapon. Man. I need a I, weapon. I, I really, I've been looking at other role-playing systems and shit. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super down to try some new ones. Uh, I think that they're going to be at Ohio Con, so we'll definitely have to check them yeah. out. Speaking of which, this episode for it at Ohio Con, which yeah, even better. We, we are going to Ohio Con. Oh, we're not just going to Ohio Con. We buddy. are official guests at Ohio Con. I think this episode comes yeah. out after Ohio Con, and by um, right, it's or either it not next week. I don't I know when it's the week out. of. I don't it's know the week of, out. to my knowledge. Regardless, hello, yeah, or so you think you can fan them. If you we like tabletop to, systems and men. If you're going to IOCon and you're listening to this and you didn't know we were going, go to all of our panels. On they're on our Twitter. Follow I'll us. Kiss you very sweetly. you. I'm held at gunpoint right now. I'm being kidnapped. Still, help me. Hey, uh, you're not being held at gunpoint. You're you consciously chose to join in on this adventure yeah, and you're, you're coming being, down with yeah. us. You're being held at come point. Come point. Yeah, well, Sean. We're gonna let him gobble up all that gum. At the human point. Boy, Ooh. you're like a water sprinkler oh. by fire hydrant. <laughs> so cut, yeah, this cut is, the audio right there. This is a, a the first fucking convention where all of us are gonna be in one location. True. It was almost Nebcon, but somebody didn't go. You you're telling me I I had to not worry about my financial situation? Smile. Didn't you go to a con like a week later? Yeah, it's called Yomacon. I paid 60 bucks instead of paying for airfare and like other shit. Could have mostly the airfare. Come fair. <laughs> nah, I'll pay for that later. <laughs> yeah, way. I'm uh but yeah. exciting. Um What's up, Nick? What's up, Nick? Yeah, anyone at Yomacon sees me and you don't like me? Ohio Con. Right, yeah. Whatever it is. I don't know what Ohio is. Um, if Ohio. Me and you don't like me on this podcast, just walk him and punch me in the gut. I'll understand. I might want to back me to do it anyway. If you do like him, just kiss him on the mouth when you see him. <laughs> You're, not mouth past my You're not getting past the helmet. I will kiss the helmet. It's okay. That's fine. You're not getting past <laughs> the helmet, though. I'll take your helmet sweet. off like Prince Charming and just go for the Johnny. tongue. I'm going to headbutt you. <laughs> Johnny Cheeks about to get them cheeks clapped. I, I will headbutt you if you do that. I hope you know. But yeah, um, I have nothing else to add to this episode. I I do. Okay, add All it. Right. All right. So I'm, I'm still on the topic of role playing games. Michael, if I play Mask, you should be afraid because the entire oh, hear me out on this idea. It came off of D&D and just the dumbest things I'd do to the point where Sergio incorporated the heroic action to let me just do the most flavored text bullcrap I could come up with at the time. Uh, well, here's the thing, Nick. You gotta. Re- this is one thing you got to realize about me as a DM. Um, I, I very much like the rule of cool, so you're good. Uh, I have a marble in the system. It, it's just the hand. It lets me erase... Five by five by five feet of uh, just space, right? Me when I grab you. It also lets me just uh, go up into the air. There's one time (laughs) where I grabbed somebody just to erase 15 feet up into the air to uh, suplex them. That's based. You know what else is based? Ending this episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.